Well, last week we started into a, a, a kind of a new series um, because we're, we're going to work our way through 1 John. Um, I, I mentioned that uh, all of the epistle lessons, the, uh, the, the letter reading, uh, are going to come to us from, from John's first letter. And uh, I, I mentioned that uh, John was very much at the time that he wrote this, kind of the last, well, he was the last living apostle. He's like the last link back to Jesus to testify to the world. And I mentioned that he was probably quite young uh, during Jesus' ministry. It was probably in his late teens, early 20s. And, uh, and so that's a, that's a long career of, of being there and, and being that link back to Jesus so that people could know his, his love, his forgiveness. I also mentioned that he was the apostle of love. And I think this is really important because John is a person who was changed by Jesus. You know, last week I mentioned his, his nickname was, you know, Son of Thunder. Not necessarily, you know, oh, hey, that person loves Jesus. Yeah. Uh, there was another time that uh, uh, John was, uh, was out and about, and he saw some people talking about Jesus with somebody else. And he reported this Jesus. He said, we saw people talking about you, so we stopped them because they weren't one of us. Hello? You know, I mean, just this is the character of who he was. And then Jesus' impact on his life so that he becomes this incredible grandfatherly example of love and God's mercy and forgiveness. And he writes this letter late in his life to, to pass along some very important information. And last week we talked about how uh, one of the things he wants us to know is that we have peace with God through propitiation. This blood sacrifice that Jesus offers himself to atone for our sins so that we can have peace with God. And that that changes everything. Well, today he continues to testify in his letter, about the impact that Jesus' death and resurrection had not only on him, but has on us. That Jesus is still at work in our lives, changing us and transforming our lives. And so he writes, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. There's a note of amazement in what John is writing here. It's like, people, you've got to check this out. How amazing God's love is that we, we get to be called children of God. And this is, this is something that I wonder sometimes if, if we don't take this for granted a little bit. You know, we, 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 we well, we're nice. Why wouldn't God love us? I mean, look at us. I mean, there's some pretty fantastic people here. You know, and I think sometimes we just kind of look and we say, yeah, well, of course he loves us. And we just kind of take it for granted. That's who he is. This is all I've ever known. This, this is what he's, he's all about. You know, and, and we don't recognize what an amazing thing it is to be loved by God. And not just loved by him, but called his children. You know, 
For John, however, there's still that memory of, of being the son of thunder. He, he still has experienced that, that impact that Jesus' love made in his life. And I wonder sometimes as we engage here, have you experienced that? You know, we come here Sunday after Sunday, you know, and there's always part of the service we confess our sins, and I always say your sins are forgiven, and then we come up and we receive the Lord's Supper, and, you know, your sins are forgiven there, and we go back to our seat, and, you know, and it just becomes, in a lot of ways, like going through the motions sometimes, doesn't it? Okay, again, it's just me. I'm just being honest about this. That sometimes it gets that way. And I think it's important for us to pull back and to recognize how amazing this is. How incredible it is that God loves us. To the point where he makes us his children. And I know, I know this is hard. I know this is hard because you legitimately are nice people. And that's all the more reasons that it's so important for us to, to think about this. To know your rough spots. To know your sin. To know those aspects of your lives that just really are not that lovable. So that you can know how amazing it is that God does love you. To know how offensive our sin is to him. And to know that he still looks on you and says, I love you. And not only does he love you, he claims you as his child. That's a powerful thing. You know, um, just recently, Billy Graham died. And you probably saw that in the news. And his funeral was on TV. And um, one of his daughters, Ruth, had a really powerful experience with her, her dad. Um, Ruth was a pre preacher's kid, and uh, preacher's kids get this reputation. If you're a preacher, you know that preacher's kids are not always good. But there's like this expectation that preacher's kids are good. That they make the right choices, that they do the right things. Ruth was not that preacher's kid. You know, she grew up in a Christian household, and, you know, and, and by all accounts, she was a good kid growing up. She got married, she had kids, and then her world kind of fell apart. Her husband cheated on her. They went through counseling, and things didn't work out, and, and they ended up getting a divorce. And shortly, very ridiculously shortly after the divorce, she married another guy. I mean, this is the kind of thing that all of us look and we would say, don't do that. And she did it. And within a day, within a day, she's like, I shouldn't have done that. And so she packs up everything. She puts in the car. And guess where she gets to go to? She gets to go to Billy Graham. Here's Jesus. Here's Billy, you know. There's kind of that impression. And, and she's got to square this up with him. You know, and, and she's wondering, you know, what, what are they going to say to me? What are mom and dad going to say when I get there? 
and, and I'll use her words here. She remembers. As I rounded the last bend in my father's driveway, Daddy was waiting for me. He wrapped his arms around me and said, Welcome home. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. What Billy Graham did for his daughter Ruth is a beautiful picture of what God does for us all the time. We go where we shouldn't go. We do what we shouldn't do. And he loves us. And what an incredible thing that it is that he would love us. He knows your sin. He knows your shame. He knows your brokenness. He knows the pain in your life. And he loves you. And he claims you. And says, welcome home, my child. John goes on, he says, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You know, there's always kind of the strangeness. There should be the strangeness that when we interact with the world because we're Christians. It makes us different, or at least it should. And he says, beloved, and, and I love this, just this character, the way John writes. It's not just, hey, people, listen up. Beloved. He's really hitting that theme for us. We are God's children now. Right now, right here. We are God's children. And what we will be has not yet appeared. And we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You know, someday, someday, we're all going to be like Jesus. We're going to be perfect. We're going to be sinless. We're always going to love people. We're always going to do the right thing. We'll always be holy. But we're not there yet, are we? Not until Jesus comes again. Not until the Holy Spirit raises the dead. Yet as we hope in Jesus, as we trust in his salvation, as we believe that God loves us, as we live this life by faith, that love of God, that love that Jesus says, I'm going to give my own life for you, it impacts us. It changes us. And part of the way that it changes us is that it makes us, it makes us want to be like him. So we're, we're, going to, we're going to try to be like Jesus, even if, if the copy is pretty poor in the moment. And, and I want you to catch this, because there, there's, there's a whole bunch of systems of religion out there in the world that basically say, you be good, you do the right thing, because then God will do these good things for you. And if you don't, he will smite you. But listen to what John is saying. John is saying, God loves you. And because he loves you, you're going to become different. Because he loves you, you're going to purify your life. 
because he loves you. You're going to change your priorities. You're going to turn away from your sin and and all of those things. So the reason that we purify ourselves, the reason we seek to live holy lives is because he's pure and because he has loved us. We shun sin. We try to love one another. We, We try to do good. And sometimes we even accomplish it by God's grace. But pause on this for a moment. Why? Why do we purify ourselves? Because of the love the Father has given to us. It's because he has loved us and continues to love us. Because we are children of God. Not because we're trying to be children of God, but because we are. And this is what he is doing in our lives. God has loved us so richly, so wonderfully, so gloriously. So we respond by loving him. And when we love him, we purify ourselves as he's pure. And John John digs into this a bit more in, in the next verses. He says, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Now, we need to understand sin in relationship. So sin is lawlessness. Sin is thumbing your nose at God. It's saying, I don't care what you think. Now, parents, can you imagine if your kids did that to you? Oh, Jimmy, I still love you. You're fine. Not in my house. And definitely not when I was growing up. No. Sin is a rejection of God's authority. And because it's a rejection of his authority, it becomes a rejection of his love. It's looking at the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And saying, "Eh, perhaps, but uh, I'd like to give it a crack at being my own God and the authority of my own life for a while. That's what sin is. And that's why sin is so dangerous. It's not just a little infraction. It's not just a little mistake. In the cosmic sense, every sin is a rejection of the God who loves us. And this is what makes his love all the more amazing, is that he doesn't ever turn that love away. He goes on and he says, you know that he, Jesus, appeared in order to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. You know, you know that Jesus came to take your sin away. That's what we keep coming here for, right? that he takes our sins away. So if Jesus came to take our sins away, how can we keep on sinning? How dare we redefine what sin is and what it is not? How do we pretend that this sin that I'm doing, it's just a little, it doesn't hurt? I think it's really important to see sin as a big deal if we're gonna see God's love as a big deal. Now, I want to be clear. We all sin, right? Okay, again, just me. 
and in a sense, we're going, we're going to keep on sinning. That's not what John is talking about. He's talking about the person who knows what he or she is doing is sin and chooses to sin rather than to live like a child of God. In essence, it's loving your sin more than loving God. Loving our behaviors more than loving the God who loves us and saves us. And this is why Jesus commands his disciples to preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name. He's, he's like, this is the program. I died, I rose. You're going to go out and you're going to tell people to turn away from sin and you're going to give them forgiveness. Because they're going to keep needing it. And they're going to continue to need that reminder to turn away from sin. And in our reading in Acts today, he, he, Peter talks of, to the people and, wow, I don't know how I just did that. That was awesome. <laughs> Peter talks to the, the people who were gathered there, and, and, and he, he, he basically tells them you know, to, to repent, to turn back to God, to re-experience his love and, and, and his forgiveness so that renewal may come to them, so that the removal of their sin would come to them. That's our life. Being loved by God. Seeking to practice righteousness because God loves us. Trying to purify our lives because God loves us. Repenting, turning away from our sins and receiving his forgiveness over and over again. So let's purify our lives. And... and, and Consider them according to the Ten Commandments and listen to, to Jesus' teaching and the Holy Spirit teaching us through the apostles' scriptures. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous because our reason for practicing righteousness is God's love. It's Jesus' cross and his empty tomb. It's relishing in this new reality that God has loved us so much that he has made us children of God. And that is what you are. Amen.